Hello. Hello. Uh, top of the morning to you. Uh, top, top of the top of the Irish good morning Blarney. Mar- Olympic to you. Morning, morning, uh, father. Uh, <laughs> like, like as in uh, everyone in uh, in in Ireland who uh, who you probably met, uh, and everyone in Ireland uh, based on my viewing of uh, BBC uh, comedies uh, is uh, is a priest. Yes, a half of them actually. I think it's it's part of the constitution. They have to half of them have to be priests. Is do they have, do they have a constitution over there? Like a morning constitution. They've got a constitution and bylaws. And cons- Everybody needs a constitution and bylaws. It's true. It's true. And uh, quorum. Does he? Does, did Did you notice if Ireland had quorum while you were there? Do they have enough? They to- have. They have. They have quorum. They have corn. They have beans. They have all the vegetables. Do they? Have cor- <laughs> do they? Do- do they have corn? Do you remember that the uh, protein? Uh, I, do, protein? I, I think that's I think that's what I was remembering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for helping me with that. Cor- that do you know that that's like a? Okay, now we're we're already into the uh, part of the uh, podcast where we uh, go ahead and, and Google things. I think. <laughs> yes, this is the part that people love, Ben. Yeah, I think corn is actually. Um, if I remember correctly, it is a it's like a town. In, it is. It's a in town UK. in UK Ireland. <laughs> in UK Ireland. <laughs> to Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's uh, and do you know that uh, you know uh, um, Lynn Lynn uh, McIntyre? You know our good friend Scottish I, Lynn McIntyre. I, I Scottish Lynn McIntyre. I met I met our good friend Scottish Lynn McIntyre um, in uh, in Dublin last week. Funny thing. No way. For the first time. Like you had no, no, no. We 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 met before, but I got to see her meet other people for the first time. I think she met. I think she meet. Uh, I think she met Linda Harris for the first time. I'm not sure. I saw her meet someone for the first time. Either was either Jeff Lejeune or Larry Goodridge or Linda Harris for the first time. Oh well, you know yeah. that, that our our good friend Scottish Lynn McIntyre has um, like Guelph connections. She uh, she was a graduate student with Doug with Douglas Powell. I, I think I, I think I knew that. I think I knew that. And so uh, she might maybe might might have been maybe it was Jeff Lejeune that she because I think she might have already known Linda. And known Linda? There. That that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Scottish so Scottish Lynn McIntyre a while ago. <laughs> that's that's her official name. <laughs> that's to distinguish her from um, the the, the other Lynn McIntyre, the yeah. Irish the Irish Lynn McIntyre, Scottish Lynn, <laughs> Lynn McIntyre who Scottish Lynn McIntyre who uh, whom who whom or whom or whom. Uh, to whom? 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 To uh, whom it may concern. To whom, yeah, she uh, she lived for a long time in New Zealand, and so she was like Kiwi Scottish Lynn McIntyre, and I visited her like a, a decade ago, and hung out with her in, in Christchurch, and she was like she took me um, to this uh, small French fishing village in uh, outside of Christchurch, uh, New Zealand, because you know that huh. it's it's amazing. I can't remember what it's called, but it was we had this really cool. Uh, like day, she drove me out there and showed me this place, and we we drank a lot of. Um, we, I think we were both in uh, Pilsner uh, uh, flavor kind of uh, drinking when it come, when it came oh. to beer. So we drank drank a bunch okay. of Pilsner, and and there was yeah. I, I uh, Scott, I love me some Scottish Lynn McIntyre. Well, and you know it's important that we we clarified that because there actually is um, a a uh, uh, American Lynn McIntyre apparently according to the internet from Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, who collects uh, miniature porcelain dolls and also um, uh, I guess isn't a porcelain doll artist according to the internet. So wow. there you go. Well, that is fascinating. Uh, <laughs> that is that's something. I we I don't, yeah. we're, I'm not I, I don't know uh, Chattanooga. 
uh, Lynn McIntyre. I know um, uh, Lorraine McIntyre from British Columbia, another food safety. Really? Group. Yeah. Do you know her? She's, no, I don't. She's with the British Columber, British Columbia Center for British Columber. <laughs> that's she's the. A, uh... yeah, that's like <laughs> a, 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 she's a British Columberjack. Uh, so, so I know some. Yeah, there's some Canadian McIntyre connections. It's uh, it's amazing. Wow, wow, and you know, and I can't find Scottish Lynn McIntyre on the internet because I'm probably spelling her uh, last name incorrectly. Oh, she is at uh, Harper Adams uh, University. You know what? I'm spelling McIntyre probably with an E instead of with an I. Oh, and I'm I'm I don't have a Y as like the Y entire. Yeah, oh. yeah. There you go, Harper Adams. There you go. Dr. Well, they're Lynn. Harper Adams. You know, you got to spell her name correctly. Got to put the Y in there, like the Y entire. Right. Exactly. Like the like uh, get your tires changed. Like Canadian That's Tire, right. except with the Y. Uh, <laughs> Canadian Tire does not have a Y. It's just a, Canadian Tire is the place where I get all my hockey equipment and I bought a hockey stick there when I was in Canada a month ago made of tires I'm it's, very confused it no it's I know it's so it's like um it's like Walmart uh but for Canadians and you can buy anything that you want at Canadian Tire and it exists in every little town like the small town that I grew up in Port Hope Ontario um, and but now but it sells it sells more than just tires oh in fact that might even be their catch line more than just tires <laughs> a Canadian Tire uh huh. Yeah, that's saw. really strange. Like, like I would think, you know, in terms of these the modern brand days of branding, that would not be a good name. Like, you know, for example, if I was in Canada and I needed a Walmart type store, and there was a store there that said Canadian Tire, I would immediately say we shouldn't go to that store. They only have tires. Look, it's right in the name. Right, right, and <laughs> and you would find you would find yourself to be incorrect. Um, if you go to their website, you'll see that they have um, tents. They have mm -hmm. kayaks. Uh, they fish gear. Uh, yeah, uh, irrigation innovation. <laughs> um, a, a bouncy house, sporting goods, and and at the bottom, tires. Because you don't need to put that at the top, right? Oh, it's right in the name. And so, sorry, their ca their catchphrase is not more than just tires. It's get the most out of a Canadian tire. Oh, and, and I can't believe we haven't had this Canadian tire conversation before. They. I am Mind is blown, Ben. Okay, so so Canadian Tire is such an institution in Canada that they like have their own puppet currency called Canadian Tire dollars, Canadian Tire money, and huh. and and so when you pay cash at Canadian Tire, you receive Canadian Tire money back in you know in your hand. So it's like every you know you spend twenty five dollars and you get a quarter, twenty five cents of Canadian Tire uh, money. When when I was a kid, it's I think it's less so now because it's all like electronic. But people, my like my family, my grandparents would have stacks and stacks of Canadian Tire money, you know, essentially coupons that you could redeem at Canadian Tire. I mean, that's what it was for. But like a bar or a restaurant or somewhere else would run a promotion every every once in a while, saying, "We'll take your Canadian Tire money at par," or 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 more sometimes. That that is so so. This is strange on a couple of levels because first of all, it's Canada, so it, they don't even have real money there, right? right? right. It's like the, it's like colored money with the queen on it. So right away, Americans know, people from the United States know it's like fake, right? And then you go into this, so you take this fake money into a store that's not even the right name for the kind of store that it is, <laughs> yes. and then they they give you back other, other money fake. that's. Even more fake than the first fake money that you took there. Yeah, yeah. I, it's so bizarre. And it has That's so bizarre, Ben. It, okay, so just to to come full circle on this, 
it, it has – I've just texted you a picture of it. Um, uh-huh. It has, instead of the queen, someone on there, his name is Sandy McTire, who is, of course, of course, who is of known course. as in the 50s as a thrifty Scotsman. And the 1950s, oh, there you go. every Boom. man, <laughs> blue-collar Canada. <laughs> Boom. Right back to the Scottish Lynn McIntyre. Yeah, With the Y for tire. Yeah. Oh, my God. Sandy we McTire. couldn't have planned this, Ben. We couldn't uh, have planned this better. We, we need to. What's I, his name? Sandy, What's his name? Sandy McTire. Sandy McTire. Oh. Lynn's, I think maybe Lynn's, uh, Lynn's uncle, thrifty uncle. I think so. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, oh, so, so what? Is, I'm tired. <laughs> I think that's a show. I'm tired. I don't know what we just did there. That was, that was phenomenal. That was a, that was a bit that we could not have, could not have possibly, um, I, scheduled. I don't, I don't think so. <sighs> so Canadian Tire got this money. They have an, their own, uh, I mean, propped up, um, fake, uh, economy essentially. Um, and, uh, it, it, so this is, this is my favorite Canadian tire. This is from the Wikipedia page. Canadian tire is given out for the purpose purchases paid for by cash or debit based on the pre-tax total, excluding labor and shop supply costs. So we're not going to give you anything back on the labor. The initial coupon rate earned 5% of eligible purchase, but then it was lowered to 3%, then to 1.4%, and is now at 0.5%, according to the customer service in August 2014. So I remember the heydays of this 5% back. But now it is, I guess, inflation, um, what, you know, whatever. This, this puppet currency is now worth only a tenth of what it was back, when I was, back 30 years ago. It's incredible. Bizarre. It is bizarre. bizarre. So anyway, yeah, big stacks of Canadian Tire dollars. Sandy McTire. We have a bunch of my in my house because my kids think it's amazing. Um, oh yeah. Well, yeah. who wouldn't? Yeah. Uh, um. So so hey, you were in. Uh, what what started this was that you you and I have not had we've not had a podcast. Uh, for for over three weeks. Um, well, but but in but in fairness, we did do uh, one a podcast what, two weeks in a row. Whatever, whatever. That's the people. The people don't care about that. They've listened. They've consumed I, I it. Care about, I, I, I care about averages. I care about standard deviations. <laughs> I care about both of those things, Ben. And 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 calling that out it calls attention <laughs> to both the average and the standard deviation. Uh, look, I understand what you're saying, math nerd. The people don't care. The people want more. They they are and it's not quite three weeks I guess but we are on such we're on such a tear um, and I've missed you I texted you that this morning I was like giddy yeah. this morning because I knew that we had this scheduled and and I have like I don't know I'm I, I've, I'm re, I'm rejuvenated we've done over a hmm. hundred episodes of this and yeah. and I still it's uh, it, after watching the um, Bill and, and Hillary love fest last night at the DNC hmm. I feel like we we're we're like we're like them we're like the Clintons. <laughs> in, in I don't the, know what to say. In the in the, I, uh, in the way that it's not getting it's not getting old, Don. It's not getting old for me. Well, that's that that is that is that is delightful to hear. <laughs> I am also happy to do a podcast with you. Um, I I have been following uh, both the RNC and the DNC. Uh, the only way all, that's all appropriate, the, just, the which is by NCs. not by not watching it, yeah. but by but by but by looking at Facebook and Twitter. So uh, yeah. So, but uh, I'm sucked in. I've been watching mm-hmm. it. I am well. So it is the greatest reality show ever. And I've got. I, I'm here's here's how I was set up last night. I'm mm-hmm. I'm watching, and I'm I'm going to talk about cord cutting in a second because I I'm mm. I'm a cord cutter now, Don. And 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 watch out if you've got cords. Um, huh. I keep my cords away from keep you. Keep your cords away. Keep them away. Uh, so I'm I've got on my 
on my Apple TV, we're streaming CNN, and I'm watching it there. Then I got an iPad open with a bunch of Twitter going on. Then I have another iPad open where I'm watching the Toronto Blue Jays baseball game. Um, <laughs> of course. And, and I'm like, Danny at one point is like, you're in like mission control here. Like you've got, you have a phone, two iPads and a TV. You're, you're in a, you're in a spaceship. And I loved it. I, there is, there's something and you know, we, this is not a political safety talk. Cause we already, we had that uh, episode a few back and we didn't get any hate mail. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, there's something so compelling about watching this that would make it even more compelling is if, if it weren't real. That's the, the part that's kind of scary. <laughs> well, that? here's the thing, Ben. For me, it's real. Yeah. For you, you have a Canadian passport. Just to just to bring I it full, full circle again, you can leave, right? I, could, I, could. I mean, you have a job, and, and it would be a bummer if you had to leave. But but I I pretty much am stuck here, especially if I don't get out before you guys build the wall. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Or the moat. I heard that chant last week. You were oh. in Ireland. Dig mm. the moat. <laughs> It was incredible. Huh. Yeah, a new one for me. Um, uh. Wow, well, politics. It, it, what what a um, what a compelling TV show for a couple hours a night, like uh, like Big Brother, except uh, of course it, um, the the uh, spin out is um, you know uh, the economy and and war. Uh, so that that's a bit of a downer. Um, so. I, mm. I'm a cord, I'm a cord cutter, Don. I I have not so for for over five years, I was a subscriber to a service you might you might be familiar with, Directv. It's a uh, I am yeah they got, they got they have some of these some of these commercials on TV where they advertise sign up and it's a satellite uh, company. Um, I over uh, the last three years, my my monthly bill has crept up from its like starting point at like. I don't know, seventy nine dollars a month to one hundred and forty six dollars a month, and uh, we we took stock in in what we were watching, and it was um, nothing live except for five stations, and um, most of the six hundred uh, stations that we received over Directv, no one watched, none, n- not the children, not Danny, not me, so uh, so we canceled it, and uh, I got something called uh, Sling TV. Cool. You know about this? This and this no, is, they're I, well, not, I, it's, it's, it's that, that's not the same as Slingbox. It is not. No. So it's okay. it, and they're not a sponsor. I've just or Sling Blade. Sling nope. Blade is something completely different. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, taters. Um, Sling Blade's a great movie. Uh, no. Okay. So there's this thing. It's I, I, I we subscribe for like twenty five bucks a month, and it streams. I don't know, like twenty stations. 20, 20, of the, 20 different little cable networks, including ESPN, which is, was one of my like last bastions, right? I, had, I needed my sports thing, my sports ball. But it's got, uh, it's got the HGTV, and it's got like Food Network and Bravo, which are the things that, that Danny and I watch. And then so we – that's like 25 bucks a month. And then we got Hulu, which is like 11 12 bucks a month. And we already had Netflix. And then I bought three antennas so I could get local TV. And I'm, I am like, I, I felt scared when I made this decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I felt like this relief. Like I have, I've now been un, unhinged from uh, my, you know, $146 a month I'm not using fee. 
Yeah, you know, and and we've I think we've talked in the past on on the podcast about about cord cutting. Um, and I, I think we've, I've shared like I could I hardly ever watch TV, and if I do, I'm sh- I I could ease. I I don't watch anything live, and so I'm sure I could very easily cut uh, cut the cord. But unfortunately, um, my wife is very much a fan of the Olympics and of uh, both summer and winter Olympic sports. So that means figure skating and track and field. And um, those, the problem with those is that the, the, you have to, we, and I think we, I shared on the podcast, if not in, in real life, that uh, we had to uh, recently up our cable package to get ever more marginal quality uh uh, sports channels that because of the the channels that uh, she wants to you know that she needs to basically keep up with her sports activities so so it's 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 definitely a problem but uh, yeah and and the uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that the, I'm I'm behind on my podcast but in the um, not the most recent but the next most recent episode of the the talk show which is a podcast that uh, John Gruber who runs the Apple blog or Apple you know, tech tech blog, daring fireball. Um, he also talks about cord cutting, and so it, it cord cutting, and and also it's a regular uh, perennial topic on on back to work, which is another podcast that uh, that I listen to. So I'm very interested to hear about these stories, and I think I think someday, I mean, I hope I hope they you know these sports channels get their act together because I would love to just give them a pile of money. Um, yeah. but for just for that. Right. And, so, and there's all sorts of, and again, they go into this in the, in the, the episode of the talk show, they go into why that will never happen. And, and again, Apple's sort of forays into that. And, and again, some recent interviews with Eddie Q from Apple about, about why, um, that would or, or would not happen. And, and Apple's interest in making that happen or not making it happen. So yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's it's still it's still a mess, and it's not going to get better anytime soon. But I'm I'm heartened every time I hear about people like you um, that are cutting cords, even though uh, it's not something that that I could do at this point. So what? yeah. So so I would encourage you to check out the Sling TV because it's got a bunch of sports channels. Mm-hmm. It's got, okay. It's got the uh, NBC Sports uh, thing. It's got um something else they they have an entire sports package that, you, that so it's that that was that was my like my exact problem mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. I, I know that sports yeah mm-hmm. and that there's going to be like obsc- a, a, an NC state football game that I want to watch that's on like regional fox sports network which I can only get through through cable but just sling tv's just like changed over they they've signed a bunch of deals in the last month to to get a whole bunch of different channels and that was the that that was like the push for me it was like okay I'm gonna try it I'm gonna try it for mm-hmm. and and I even like so I've been now at this a week and a half I, I even said to Danny I was like I'm so like not sure if I can do this what if we just got all the stuff and then we keep Direct TV just as like a backup and we'll do that for a month <laughs> and then like I heard myself say that and I was like nah don't be an idiot just do it mm-hmm. and if just you, do it yeah and if and if it doesn't work then I can just resign up. Yeah. Um, so, so I want to. So anyway, that that was. Uh, it's been it's been good. Um, mm-hmm. I've been, I've enjoyed it. But I I did share with you that um, as part of this uh, like Sling TV, um, they I like prepaid for three months and then they sent me this uh, like a um, fourth generation Apple TV for one of our TVs because we already had one. Mm. And I think uh, I think I might have bricked it last night. Um, so it's currently sitting in my computer bag, and I have to go to to the Apple Store because it won't. It's not turning on. Don't know what happened. But but, but this is this is one that the Sling TV people sent to you. Yeah, it is. So they so it was a it's I mean it was a brand new one. Um, mm-hmm. but it was a 
uh, instead of, I don't know what they are, 129 or 139 mm-hmm. if I prepaid for three months worth of Sling TV, I got it for 79 bucks. Hmm. I'm, uh, I'm a, I'm, you could call me uh, Sandy McTire. You can call me a, thr- a thrifty Scotsman sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's well, yeah. Except now you got to take it to the uh, to the yeah. Apple uh, store, but that's okay. I get to hang out there for a little bit while well, they probably give me a new one. Probably. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I'm, I'm, I, this has been my biggest technological move in, the, in a while, and I've been I've been happy with it. Well, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to hear more. I'm sure the listeners would be uh, happy to have updates. Again, my I, if if Kristen liked the same sports as you, right. I would say that's fine. But again, the things that she likes are so marginal, right? I mean, track and field and figure skating, even though those are big in the Olympics, um, they really you you know it's it really is these marginal sports channels, these right, you know right. unusual sports channels. It's not like we want to watch Major League Football or Major League Baseball or NHL, right? It's it's these it's it's these. Javelin. Yeah, the, javelin. It's, exactly. The, it's the shot. Javelin and shot put. Yeah. yeah. I don't know enough about it, but uh, but yeah, uh, check check it out. See see how see if it works. Oh, and by by the way, um, while I, I was googling uh, cord cutter, and um, I have this uh, this app in, installed called uh, Fetching, which basically monitors the things. Uh, that I'm searching for, and it, it offers like sort of helpful advice. Um, and so when I type cord cutter, it shows me you know a bunch of links regarding cord cutter on on the Google homepage. But it also shows me uh, cutter Campylobacter farmers markets. Oh, great, great, great paper. So there you go. Yeah, great paper. Uh, yeah, Kathy cutter. Thank good, yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I knew you'd appreciate that. I did. I do. That's one of my. You know, I use that. I don't know if we. I, I know we have talked about that we paper. Talked about that paper, almost as much as uh, any other paper we talked about, with with the exception of Ruth, Ruth Peter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that. But I use. I like still all of my new students. I send that as a model. That paper. Yeah. I was like, it's just I, so clean. Yeah, read this paper. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey. Okay. So before we move off of yeah. other other stuff, I got I got some um, some follow up things. Cool. One, one is, um, you know, uh, you know our good friend uh, Doug Powell, right? You know, you're aware. Do, you do, I do. I have. I, I, I think I have. He uh, he told me that he listened to the last episode. Shh. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, and did he have did he have notes for us? Did he, he have notes? What notes? One note. Oh. Yeah. Note is, uh, it could have been about half the length. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. It's that. It's a podcast. It's not. It's. No, 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 Don. It's true. It could have been about half the length. We wouldn't have had as much fun. Yeah, and it's about it, it, us. It could have. It could have been tightly scripted. It could have been. T- we, could, we, could, we could read. We could read from pre-prepared comments. That would make it shorter. That would make it shorter. That would be awesome. It would be like a, like a government podcast. Yeah, uh, like a, sucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Don. Um, one of our FDA informants told me that they listened to the podcast and said. You need to spend some time with FDA understanding what they do. Okay. <laughs> in, in that ter- in that tone. Okay. Said, and oh, and we have we have some exciting news to share yeah. regarding <laughs> one of our friends we, oh, who is being co-opted to the know. FDA. Although I, we cannot reveal who it is at this time. Right. Right. Okay. Good. I don't think we can we can actually. No, share. we can't say because it's, he has he or she has sworn us to secrecy. It's embargoed. Embargoed. It's embargoed. Uh, embargoed until a later date. Yep. Yeah, so watch wh- the space for news. What? <laughs> Coming. coming this is what they call a tease i'm going to read the rest of the podcast in this tone of voice <laughs> and by read i mean read from the script that we have yeah i feel like you you may have spent already too much time with fda based on what you're doing <laughs> i think i don't think we need to spend oh, any more 
<laughs> you okay? I think I just, I think I just broke free. Oh, man, there was oh, like happened there? someone took over your body. <laughs> um, you you were you channeled the uh, channeled the federal regulator. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Thanks, thanks to Doug for listening. I appreciate the notes. It's, yeah. We're, yeah. I mean, well, you know, and, and this is this is one of the notes. This is one of the notes, the many notes that we received when we were starting the podcast, which is, it should be longer, it should be shorter. That one guy should talk more, and that one guy should talk less. Yep. So it's entirely consistent with the advice that we were given when we started. So we it's, appreciate your advice. It's it's true, and it's it's just a. Uh, um, after after 104 episodes, uh, he, it was not, he he said, yeah, I listened to it. It's too long, or it could have yeah. been, been halfway. Could have, yeah, could've, it, yeah, it could have been, could have been, could have been, could have been, been twice as long too. Yep, could have been, could have been more. But instead, it was the length that it was. I I know, and people, uh, the the people have spoken. Um, <laughs> so I got that. I got something else. Um, mm. before before I move on, um. Mm-hmm. You you were uh, across across the pond, uh, mm-hmm. as as I say, um, when something uh, hit the world and took the world by storm. Uh, oh, so- I wanted I you know I was just about to write this down on a piece of paper so we could talk about it. Oh man, oh man, Don. Okay, so so I don't know what the so I'm talking about Pokemon Go. Of course, I know that's of that's course. what I that's what I wrote down on this piece of paper right here, Ben. It okay. So this thing, um, is, is just like. It, blew, it has blown my mind a little bit. So people, what's blowing my mind is this. Um, people are really either into it or really hate it. And mm-hmm. and it's not that they really hate it. I think they really hate the idea that they don't like it and, mm-hmm. and that they lash out at that. So uh-huh. so I have, I, I'm in the camp of I really like it. Uh-huh. I, I really like it for lots lots of reasons. One is it it, it has embodied the is the dress black and blue is it gold and white you know where everything revolve on the internet revolves around one thing for a short amount of time and and it came some well not really out of nowhere like some people if you were in the nether regions of of the internet knew that it was coming out but but in the i, I just remember after two or three days after it was released when it was all anybody was talking about i was like this is this is a meme that you couldn't predict, that you can't capture, that you wouldn't be able to create if you if you wanted to. Uh, not unlike the um, uh, ice bucket challenge from the ALS Foundation. Mm-hmm. And, and what's going to be, you know, you and I spend some time on the internet. What's going to happen? I think this is my my like uh, nerdy prediction is that uh, since this is so popular, so popular meaning they mil- made like something like seven point five billion dollars in the first two days. Um, this will be heavily, heavily copied, and none of it will be as good. Like it's, it's so, it, it just, I mean, so anyway, it's, a, it's this game, augmented reality. If you're listening to the podcast and you haven't heard about Pokemon Go, then I don't know if you're listening to the right podcast. Um, but, 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 um, I, it, my, my kids are very much into it. I am not from the um, uh, millennial generation of Pokemon cards at all not was not in my my realm didn't don't really understand it still don't but I really like this game and I like that when I uh, had dinner last night um, at the uh, Cheesecake Factory to ce- celebrate my kids first days of school uh, there were two uh, Pokestops there and I just kept getting potions and balls and and we caught some wild rotatas and uh, and I got got myself a Pikachu this weekend 
Very cool. So let me let me, so I've got a couple of things I want to share. Um, <clears throat> so first of all, I think you're right that that people divide into two camps. They love it or they hate it, except that there's also a third camp, which is Huh. I don't get it. Yeah. No, that's okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, and that is also an, an equally, equally valid uh, camp. Um, and yeah, it's 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 very interesting. I so this all of this lit up um, while we were in in Ireland. And so I have I can tell you about my first experience um, getting Pokemon Go. I was sitting in it was the day we were in Waterford and um uh, my travel companions uh, went to the Waterford Crystal Factory, which turns out was a really good tour that I should have gone on, uh, but I decided not to go on it. Um, actually, it was the day after that. I think the day that they went on the tour, I spent that that day uh, catching up on work. But then the day after, they went to the Waterford Mills, which is like kind of like an outlet type thing. And I was sitting, and I, you know, I was still convalescing and and uh, whatnot. And so I heard about all this on the internet. I sat in the coffee shop with free Wi-Fi. I downloaded Pokemon Go. I launched Pokemon Go, I caught my first Pokemon, and I closed the app, and, <laughs> and that was it. Now, I have, I have opened it a couple times since then, and, but no more Pokemon had sh have shown up. Um, but, you know, there's a, so there's a couple of things to like about this. Number one, if it's an activity that gets people out and moving in the real world, like walking, that's a great thing. And it does, but of course, then of course there's an inevitable back, backlash, and then there's discussions about people walking into traffic and people playing it while <clears throat> driving, or you know whatever. I mean, there's risks associated with an uh, interactive virtual reality game. Um, uh, and then the other thing too is that yeah, there's actually a Pokestop uh, at the Jewish Temple uh, just down the street from me, so I could, uh, if I wanted to find out what a Pokestop was, I could go there and and stop at the Pokestop um, and maybe catch some Pokemon on the way. And then just in terms of my background with Pokemon, obviously I am too old for Pokemon, but my kids were exactly the right age for when the cartoon hit, and so I know Pokemon through my kids. And I I remember as as a, uh, a you know as a as a, a a grown up being really kind of impressed with the diversity of the ecosystem. In other words, somebody went to a lot of trouble to like figure out all these creatures and then some of them evolve into other creatures. And I remember uh, kind of being impressed with that. And, and so, and again, you know, uh, good for Nintendo and for, uh, uh, what's the, the, the Niantic, the, the, Niantic, the company that, that Nintendo hired to make this. Apparently they had, they had Niantic had a, an earlier game, uh, called in, Ingress, which which basically uh, forms a lot of the, the the infrastructure, or a lot of the has a lot of the the same backbone as this game. They just basically skinned it for Pokemon, and you know, as opposed to for something else. Um, so anyway, it's it's been very interesting to watch, and I look forward to continuing to watch it. Um, and again, it, there will be the inevitable backlash. There will be people that die because of playing this game, right? Because they're not paying attention, they get right. hit by a truck or something, and maybe even happened already. Um, but, you know, it's just another it's another way the world is changing and the world is changing because of technology, because of these mobile uh, these mobile computers that are also telephones that we carry around with us. Um, and I, yeah, and I, you know, and I actually um, have thought about because I walk the dog a lot. I'm back. To, I'm, I'm allowed to walk the dog again um, <laughs> after my injury. My wife has cleared me to drive and to walk the dog. Um, but the problem is that I re it is, it's still a relatively risky activity for me to walk the dog. Right. And so I don't want to, I don't want to be distracted, not because I'll step into traffic, uh, but because the dog will bolt after a cat and I'll re-break my arm or break my other arm or, or, or something. Right. So I, although I have, uh, tried turning on Pokemon Go, it 
it's just a little too I, I sense that it's just kind of it's like texting and driving right it's like you, you know it's not a good idea you know it's not a good idea you sometimes you do it and you think yeah I really shouldn't be doing this because because uh, I could really hurt myself and so then I close the app and and go back to listening to a podcast uh, which is slightly distracting but easy to ignore because it's it's there's no visual you know it's only auditory so I I did um, okay so right next to my building. There's mm-hmm. the uh, J.A. Ralston Arboretum, so our mm-hmm. like oh, university mm-hmm. arboretum. So it's it's a really nice place, a good meeting room. We we do like events there, but it's also a nice place to walk when I'm on a conference call, which I do. And last week while I was on a call, I walked around the arboretum, and there are I'm looking right now because I can see it. There are six Pokestops in the arboretum that I can hit in a like a you know, an eight minute loop. And I talked, I listened on the phone and talked a little bit while I went to these Pokestops. Now that is a good activity to multitask your Pokemon playing conference calls. Yes. Not bad, right? Like, no, it's great. Um, so this, uh, the whole, anyway, the whole thing is fascinating. And, And you brought up the, the other part that, that you couldn't like, couldn't predict. And I don't know if there's any, um, good, uh, you know, data on this yet, but you know, there was the, the, the quote that went around the internet for the first couple of days was that um, you know Michelle Obama has tried for the last eight years to get people to move more, and more people moved in three days thanks to Pokemon Go than over the last eight years. Um, and, yeah, and there'll be uh, there'll be dissertations written on that. Um, mm-hmm. I hope. And it, but I, mm-hmm. it's just it, to me, it's fascinating. Like the whole thing, and I embrace that. I love when something like this comes out of nowhere and turns everything upside down, even if it's just for two or three weeks. I mean, there Mm -hmm. will be some, um, you know, some long tail, uh, participants on this, but right now it's hot and, 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 and you couldn't, a lot of what, you know, what you and I do is, or at least, I mean, a lot of what I focus on is how do we get people to do things? And, And this is like a brilliant, thing like it's a it's a brilliant kind of intervention on getting people to do things that probably no one really thought about that's what it was for like it's an you know a potentially unintended consequence um and and it's just i mean you can't um i i am i cease to be amazed with the the power of uh, you know of the internet and, and technology and how this is to like this changes things like this this is the first one where people are are participating in augmented reality and, and now when we try to get into I've, I have a colleague who I'm, i think i might have mentioned in one of the previous episodes clint stevenson who's in uh, food bioprocessing nutritional sciences he does a lot of um distance education and training work and and uses um still images and videos and virtual reality to take people through um like uh, processing plants and, mm-hmm. and cool. And he, yeah. Yeah. So it's like there's, and so he's been down this road for the last two or three years and, and right, you know, two days after this whole thing hit, we went and had coffee and I was like, look, here it is. This is now you, instead of trying to like break into, um, the food industry and say, Hey, I have the, you know, there, there are these technologies that exist, augmented reality and blah, 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 you know, and, and having this like glassy eyed look sometimes by when, when explaining it now, all he's going to have to do is say, yeah, I can make something like Pokemon go. Exactly. And people <laughs> like, will immediately get it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. But like fascinating. Pokemon go for food sanitation. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and we can, we can gamify this. We can, we can do exactly. lots, lots of things. So anyway, it's, uh, 
it's it's been I, I I'm I'm fascinated by it. I think that there are lots of um, potential food safety things that could happen. I don't know if, who if anybody will be able to harness it very well, but it's but it's a change. Well, but you know what? This is actually op- very opportune timing, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking I need to get in some opportunity to walk around and try to like level up, um, because <laughs> because there's going to be a bunch of nerds at this conference we're going to in just a week, less than a week, and I'm sure, and they've already been talking about it, the, especially the young ones, uh, the kids. I've been talking about this on social media, right? And Absolutely. so there are going to be people, food safety nerds who ha- who have Pokemon Go. On their on their phones and are, are leveled up to the point where they can you know whatever whatever happens at level five where you can oh, start yeah. um, fighting like fighting right I mean yeah so it's uh it's 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 pretty cool it's I'm, pretty cool I'm level eight John Don John damn John it. Damn, John? It. Damn, it. <laughs> damn it um I'm 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 angry that's what I'm I am right now I'm angry how can you be level eight I I have uh I, I have kids and we go around a bunch um Jeez. I should have been doing this more in Ireland I can see that now. You're gonna have you have to be level five. I've still not uh, ventured into a gym to fight. I'm just I'm just building my army just mm-hmm. over time. I'm trying to I'm trying to make my people my what my pokies whatever they're called my po- posy. It's a posy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I want well, want to be strong. Oh hey, well Ben, well Ben, I've captured one. Just so since we've been I, talking. No, I just got one. I just got a I... magic card. Just showed up in my office. Got it. Gotcha. You know, I was listening to another 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 podcast where someone showed up, where one showed up uh, in someone's home while they were recording a podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm really angry now. Why I don't have any around me? Uh, you will just. Oh, I'm so angry, Ben. I'm leaving the app open, but I don't see any. There's none near me. I got I got to go for a walk without the damn dog. <laughs> uh, anyway, <sighs> Pokemon Go, uh, fascinating technology, maybe some food safety stuff. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah, it's cool stuff. Um, oh, look, look, the dog hears one now. Can you hear that? The uh, dog is barking at a Pokemon. Oh, well, hey, that's good. It's good to have a, a like a watchdog, a Pokemon um, ready watchdog. Yes. Um, so I got one more thing I wanted to tell you about. That's not. Sure. In the, it's not not in the it's not in the show notes. No, not in the show notes. It's just something something that happened. Something I did. So, um, you know, we. Uh, you and I talk a lot about food safety. Is that is that a surprise? Is that that's how I should do we? This. You and yeah. I food safety. We do. Which one are you? Yeah, I'm the I'm, I'm the food safety one. Are you the food safety one? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, so I I have a I have a friend, a, a close friend, who is in the food business, who uh, runs a restaurant, and um, on Sunday, uh, during sort of a light time in their uh, in their schedule. Uh, he invited me into his restaurant uh, for uh, about an hour and a half, and I talked to his like management team of shift managers and their you know restaurant manager and purchasing person, and so I had twenty um, food you know food employees in, in sort of you know leadership uh, roles in in a back room of of this restaurant where i they had an apple tv and i just connected up my ipad which had a whole bunch of pictures on it and i talked to them about um he he wanted me to really just tell stories about about food safety they all have their certified food protection manager requirements and and have met the you know knowledge uh demonstration uh, aspect of it and they and they run you know they run a um a popular place and and they um you know he, he have a, a history of good inspections and do a pretty good job he said but i think we're getting lazy so why don't you come in and and just talk about what you 
what you see every day and what you do and make this real that, um, you know, that people do get sick from foodborne illness and people in our community get sick from it. And if something happens here, then, you know, maybe we're, we're all out of a job. And, and so it was, um, it was really, it was really fun. It was, um, it was great to have a, a committed team asking questions about like, we got into the intricacies of like when there's vomit and, and norovirus and aerosolization and, um, what should they do and how should they handle it? And here's what we do, but here are our problems with it. And really it all came down to sort of my central theme of, uh, of where my program is, is, is all of the stuff we have really good standard operating procedures, but things fall apart. People make it, make it fall apart or, or can make it successful. Um, and so it was, I, it, you know, it, it was very, um, you know, personally fulfilling, you know, I, we, I do a lot of talks to a bunch of food safety nerds and, and it's often like there's a lot of, you know, um, head nodding in, in the audience, but it was, it was really cool to, to connect with this group of folks who, who don't do food safety in and out every day. Um, like don't think it, they do it every day, but, but to, to, you know, sort of reconfirm some of the stuff that they had been taught elsewhere and then just get into a food safety discussion. And I, I, you know, it's, it's a restaurant that, that I eat at. Um, and so I, I kind of thanked them at the start and said, you know, I, 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 this is really important to me because I bring my family here. I want to make sure that you guys do a, a really good job. Um, at, you know, at stuff. And so that was, that was the, the first thing. The second, the second thing that had to do with that is as part of the preparation for this, um, I just went to their, like, I went to our county health department, Wake County uh, Public Health um, website to find their previous, you know, three or four inspections and uh, pulled out, pulled up Yelp. And I took a screenshot of Yelp because um, for their, you know, for all the restaurants in, in our, in our county, there's a, uh, relationship between Yelp and the health department that the database that the health department uses feeds right into Yelp. So you can see their sanitation score, um, right, you know, right there. And, um, there were, so out of the 25 people that were there, there were about three that knew a, that their health and uh, health inspection scores were public. And, and one that was like, I knew that was on Yelp. And the rest were like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that when the inspector comes in here that anybody can see that information. That made it even more important to them. It was, so it was, it was really, I mean, it was really kind of a interesting um, experience. Um, and, and, you know, kudos to, um, to my friend on like uh, making this important and, and not sort of saying, um, Hey, we do food safety, but like, hey, if we don't do it, and we we talked quite a bit about Chipotle, like like we have on on the podcast, and just talked about sales dropping and how an uh, you know one uh, outlet in another state having a problem can impact their questions, and and that may put a focus on what they do, even though they're not doing anything different. Like just a whole bunch of different stuff, but it was like real actual, um, you know, frontline folks. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, and that's 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 good, and I'm glad I'm glad that you shared that. And you know, it's interesting thinking about Chipotle. Haven't heard much from them, although uh, there 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 was some news a little bit back where somebody uh, tweeted about uh, somebody from his company getting sick, 
at Chipotle and apparently caused another stock drop. And we may we may have talked about that. But, you know, when as you were talking, it occurred to me, I wonder, I mean, obviously, Chipotle is, is really still doing very poorly, um, you know, because of all the fallout from everything that happened to them last year. I wonder how other Mexican restaurants are doing, either okay. either mom, mom and pops or chains. You know, I would be very interested to know, like, let's say, how how is Taco Bell doing? Um, uh, in response to in response to all the problems with Chipotle, and and because people sometimes think, I mean, again with Chipotle, it's pretty clearly identified, right? Uh, right. So I think people think, oh, Chipotle is is going to make me sick, but but Taco Bell is not going to make me sick, as opposed to, oh. Uh, flour is going to make me sick, <laughs> or right, right. Uh, yeah. uh, lettuce is going to make me sick, or spinach, or tomatoes, or you know canned food, or or what have you, right? So I, I I wonder I wonder how that, and again you know from people that 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 deal you know with with risk communication and and perception like how is there excuse me is there a difference between how someone views a restaurant chain that has an outbreak versus how someone views a food commodity that has that is associated with an illness. So well, yeah, or or a um, a category of right. of food. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, is uh, you know, you, you see, I'm, I just pulled up um, uh, something from a, a couple of days ago that we'll include in show notes uh, about profits uh, over last year. Or compared to last year, uh, Chipotle profits dropped were eighty one percent less. So, uh, so they in in this last uh, quarter that ended June thirtieth. So they um, were they had one hundred and forty million dollars in profits last year, and that plunged down to twenty five point six million, which is crazy, right? So revenue anyway, the revenue dropped sixteen percent. They've got all these different changes, blah, blah whatever. But the reason why I'm saying this is because it actually refers to it as it's been a slow climb back to normalcy for the Mexican restaurant. And I wonder if it's like, as, as you said, it, does someone who eats there um, perceive that as a Mexican restaurant or does it have its own kind of type of category as like, does it affect Moe's differently? Mm -hmm. I think that's right. a really good, right. really good question. We, we just did um, speak like speaking of perceptions, I have, um, we have a project that, uh, uh, we partner with our, our friends at uh, USDA ARS uh, at, in Winmore, uh, John Lachansky and Anna Portafet on, and my mm -hmm. um, uh, um, extension associate who, who works uh, for me, uh, Katrina Levine. She's uh, uh, presenting a poster at IAFP next week about risk perception differences in grocery stores between consumers and, um, and experts. And so, so what we what we did for this for this project, and um, you know, you'll you'll see the you'll see the paper whenever uh, a few months from now or a year <laughs> from now. But the, the poster is going going to be there. What what we did was um, uh, presented pictures of um, contributing factors, as uh, FDA and CDC calls them, or risk mm -hmm. factors that you and yep. I might call them, yep. uh, 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 to foodborne illness, and then had some. What we termed yuck factor pictures, pest control issues, maybe like broken tile um, type type things, things that that are visually um, a problem. We presented those in picture form to uh, online, you know, to a panel of online survey takers, like a thousand uh, across the U.S. and and then 
um, followed that up with uh, some focus groups um, with the same with with similar pictures. But we want to know what people saw. And I think you know, as, as I was, um, Katrina, I've been going back and forth on the on the poster and, and the paper over the last few days, and one of the the kind of striking things that that came out in the data is that. Um, there, there is, you know, there's a difference. People um, will say that uh, something like a co cockroach on the, if you if you give them a picture of a cockroach on the floor and you give them a picture of uh, bare hand contact on deli meats, like something that li literally happened that we that we saw that we know are for are in those contributing risk factors or FDA risk factor stuff, um, they'll report that the cockroach on the floor is an, a more um, a less safe or more unsafe situation than the bare hand contact on, um, on hands, and so, I mean, what? Going back to your question about about perception, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all, um, if it was just kind of grouped in like this this Chipotle thing. Even though we know that there are total different differences in um, management practice, uh, styles, uh, um, you maybe even standard operating procedures between different types of, you know, Mexican chains or even mom and pops that, that it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was all kind of grouped together. Like, like that, that there, there is just a strong, a strong beliefs, uh, um, uh, belief situation in, in minds that, yeah, Chipotle had problems at some Mexican restaurants. All, all Mexican restaurants have, have problems or, Oh yeah, I've always thought that Mexican restaurants had problems because they haven't done well in local inspections, and they always show up on my on my TV on Friday nights when uh, the local news talks about places that have um, that failed. And, and there you go, look, we had, and everyone knows that Taco Bell's makes you poop. So here we go, we've got uh, Chipotle. It's, it just reinforces that that perception, um, which is, I mean, it's that's. So I mean, as we're investigating, do people see these things differently and, and have some? empirical data that says yeah they do it becomes an operational issue it's like okay so what do we do about that right like how do we how how do we better convince people or better display to people that a cockroach on the floor does not have the same kind of it's not a contributing factor in the same way that bare hand contact on on radiate foods is well, and that's I, I don't know if you're ever going to be able to win that one, because even as an expert, right, even as an expert, if you show me those two pictures, I can definitely feel the yuck factor with the cockroach. Right. 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 I mean, I, I you know, so and so I don't really don't know how you're going to do that for a layperson. Oh, but by the way, I so I wanted to link to this particular presentation um, because the IEFP program is is online. And so we'll do that. But on the way to linking to that presentation, you know what I had to do? I had to look up your name. Oh, my gosh. Ben, do, is there is there another person with the same name as you that might have been responsible for half of these because I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I see twelve things with your name on it. It's possible. It's yeah. It's entirely possible. That's, uh, I, th I thought I have I was having a good year, but you're blowing me out of the water. Well, I think I think you have more than than me and Michelle put together, which is that's something, Ben. It, it, um. So it's all great that I that I might have some posters and abstracts. The real question is, are those are those twelve papers? 
Oh, they're not 12 papers. Right, right. No, that's not yet. What, right, not right. Yet. Like, that, w- will they ever be? I, right, right. That's that's up to you, Ben. That is the real question because I think in the <laughs> in the long run, um, you know that that's what what kind of matters more. And and well, uh, the percentage of uh, I'm like uh, throwing a bunch of things at the wall with maybe four or five of these will come out um, where you guys are are um, much better at uh, taking them to fruition. <laughs> well, uh, you know. <laughs> it, it's funny. It's funny you should say that because I'm reviewing uh, a, a promotion packet for someone for promotion and tenure to associate professor level, and uh, they have like a certain number of publications. And then I went uh, and then I went and I counted up their posters and abstracts, and it's like they have the same number. And it's like whoa. <laughs> you're uh, you're not doing something right because you should have way more posters. But you yeah, have way more posters and presentations than you have papers. Or they're really good at taking them all to Turn, turning them in. Yeah. Which yeah, is, I don't, I don't know. That's a possibility, but wow, wow, um, yeah. So we're gonna have a good, uh, we got a good showing at the IAFP this year. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah, there's, uh, there's quite a few, quite a th- few things going on. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, food pantries. We're gonna, gonna talk about. Oh, someone's calling me. Um, we're gonna talk about uh, some stuff on oysters. We're gonna talk about mechanically tenderized beef. We're gonna talk about risk factors. There's lots, lots of good stuff going on. Yep. Yep. So what's uh, okay? So I wanted to go to something else because um, okay. we, we were talking all about risks, and I don't know if you had a chance to look at this, um, but uh, the the UK, the Food Safety uh, Authority, Food Safety Agency, whatever the FSA is, mm-hmm. uh, I had a uh, a thing uh, a couple of days ago where they there was a risk assessment uh, report on uh, shell eggs from the Advisory Committee on the Microbiological Safety of Foods. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and they, they said, uh, hey, uh, it's okay for pregnant women. This is the, like, fallout of it um, that everyone seems to have picked up on is it's okay for pregnant women to eat raw eggs uh, in the U.K. as long as they are uh, stamped with a lion. Uh <laughs> Yep, yep. Under the line code. And uh, we suggest that uh, they go from low to very low uh, risk. Uh, and uh, yeah. And this is this is kind of fascinating. So I don't know. Have you have you had a chance to look at any of this stuff? Well, I, th- I thought we talked about this. And, and I again, I found a link uh, from from this the software I run in the background that shows me past past things I've, I've looked at. And the, uh, the most Bridget British eggs safe for pregnant women report says is an article from The Guardian from January of this year. So this is is this not is this not new news or is there something n- newer than this that I'm, that I'm missing? It's new. Yeah. So there's something newer than this. So that, so I guess what there, there was a report and a summary that came out in January and then, or like a report of a summary. And then the full report came out in July. Okay. Just, All right. So this was just like a prelude. Okay. Yeah. Oh yes. And I see raw eggs safe for pregnant women, uh, the guardian from one day ago. I do yeah. see it. Oh, and, and by the way, um, so according to the UK, raw eggs are safe for pregnant women. Um, according to John Roderick of podcast fame, um, it's okay to store eggs at room temperature. Right. Let's, so let's there talk you go. About this. Let's talk <laughs> about sure. it. Cause okay. I, this is fascinating to me. Huh. Okay, you and I live in, in, in I think, uh, a paradigm here of we like to be in the world of risk-based decision-making, yes, right? Yes, right, right. Um, this, uh, this is pretty phenomenal. So I'm, I'm going to cherry-pick some stuff from this report. 
Sure. Um, because you're not, um, you, you have not uh, had the same amount of time to look at this as I as I did earlier today. Um, so uh, this group, um, the advisory committee in microbiological safety of food, uh, has this ad hoc group on eggs. Um, they were charged with, and here's the membership. And I don't know if you, I'm going to le- read some names here. You might know them. Uh, pr- Professor John Koia, Co- it's not Cola, C-O-I-A, he's the chair. Dr. Gary Barker, Professor David McDowell, David Nuttall, Rosie Glazebrook. And then they had some co-opted members, which sounds like, um, I don't know if you want to be a co-opted member or not, but there's Professor Tom Humph- Humphrey, Rob Davies, Leslie Larkin, Chris Lane. Uh, and then there's a secretariat uh, and FSA representative, and I'll skip over those. Anyway, here's what they were asked to do. To assess the current level of microbiological risk to consumers, including vulnerable groups from raw or lightly, lightly cooked shell eggs and their products, and to assess how the risk with respect to salmonella has changed since the last report, which was in 2001. And they, like, put together a crap load of information. It mm-hmm. is, ex- you know, highly referenced. I actually think, like, from a government risk assessment standpoint, I, I hold some of the FSIS risk assessment documents, especially as it relates to Listeria and Ready Foods, and then the Listeria and Ready Deli Meat specifically. And then there's a really nice risk assessment um, uh, document that uh, New Zealand put together on raw milk that that really spells out like that shows their work right like that does to me a really good job from a from a regulatory standpoint um they you know basically as i looked through this they make the case that says because of the vaccination regime that happens in the uk and that is required under the lion code uh which is a like a national branding process for quality and um and safety, um, we we don't have a whole lot of salmonella enteritis in, in shell eggs, and um, the prevalence is is really 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 quite low. And so, go ahead if you want to make a risk management decision to um, eat raw eggs. Go ahead and do it. Interesting to me. So, yeah. So so a co- couple of things. So I do know some of those people. Uh, Dave, uh, Gary Barker. Uh, works for FRI, which is uh, a, a, a research. Uh, it's sort of like a, a USDA ARS kind of a group, I think. Uh, but he works for IFR, uh, which is where Joseph Brani, who's a, a big uh, modeling uh, colleague of mine, uh, works. Uh, Gary Barker uh, works there as well. He's a Bayesian statistician slash risk assessor. And then, of course, Tom Humphrey. Everybody right. knows Tom Humphrey. Everybody knows Tom Humphrey. <laughs> I published I published a paper with Tom Humphrey. Um, and uh, and he's a big big guy in egg safety um, in the UK. And so it's a good, I mean, just based on those two people, like they've got the right people. Um, my problem is not necessarily with the report, but I don't, I really don't like the the, the Guardian headline, which says raw eggs safe for pregnant women. Because, right. because safe is an absolute term. What I think would be much more helpful would be to say eating raw eggs is just as risky as X, right? And I know risk-risk comparisons are tricky, but but that's uh, to me there is no there is no absolute safety right uh, so so e- raw eggs are a risk hell cooked eggs are a risk right everything has a risk and it's just it's a, it's about it's about 
how that risk compares to other things. And when you're when you're saying safe or you're saying it's okay for someone to do something, that is a risk management decision. So, um, and I guess you know somebody feels like they need to make that decision, but I. And I guess it, and Food Standards Agency is going to be the agency within the UK that's going to make that decision. But I, um, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I agree. I mean, I think it's great that they studied it, and it would be useful to know how the, you know, what would be useful is to say, well, the the risk of raw eggs is ten times lower than it was ten years right, ago, right? right. That yeah. that's an interesting and useful message. But I don't, but I don't know that the message that they are safe or that they are safe for pregnant women is necessarily a good or sensible message, right? Um, and again, I guess I would like to see, okay, so let's assume that every pregnant woman in the UK immediately starts eating one raw egg a day during their pregnancy. What are the, what's the expected fallout of that? And maybe the report has enough information to be able to answer that question, but that's what I'd like to know, right? Like, it's like, so what do you, what do you, what exactly do you mean by safe? Because safe means some, I mean, I know safe does not mean completely safe. It means some level of risk. So is that one risk? Is that one additional illness per year? Is that one additional illness per Per month, right? I mean, that's what I want to know, and not not whether some expert says it's quote unquote safe or not. Right, right, right. And I, I mean, I think you bring up the the communication challenge, and we saw this with um, the WHO meat cancer report last year. Mm, exactly. Where this like this document, this report, as I as I read through it, um, you know, this morning. Um, I think has a really good, um, it, it seems to have a, you know, I haven't, I haven't reviewed it, but it has a really good scientific ba- backing. I looked through the references. I was, I, I'm, in, I'm impressed with the range of data. They, like, it seems like they did all the right things when it came to presenting. Here's what a, a quantitative risk assessment should look like. Now you go make a decision, right? Like that's the, and, and where we have the communication, um, breakdown like uh like led zeppelin would say another great uk band um is not providing any um guidance to to the guardian or other media outlets as as to what this means and that's like nothing super surprising it's because often we don't have the risk assessment folks talking risk communication it's like okay well here's what here's what we found you go make a risk management decision and then people kind of run with it but i i did um do a like safe uh you know a search for the term safe uh in this uh in this document and it it really doesn't you know that that term comes from the media report not the not the document Right. And and I think it's a little bit disingenuous to say experts say it's safe because they don't uh, because they, they don't. They right. Don't say that yep. at all. Yep. 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 In, in fact, what they say is the risk should be. And this is the this is why I really like this. Um, where is this thing that I highlighted? Accordingly, the group suggests that the l- risk level for UK hen shell eggs produced under the line code really very specific, right? Or mm-hmm. under demonstrably equivalent comprehensive schemes should be, quote, very low with a low degree of uncertainty, whilst for other shell eggs, the risk level should be considered low. And they give in to, they um, then go on to say, um, in practical terms, uh, the group considered that the very low risk level means that UK eggs produced under the line code um can be served raw or lightly cooked to all groups in society, including those that are more vulnerable to infection in domestic and non-domestic settings. 
This recommendation does not apply when non-line code eggs or eggs not produced under equivalent schemes are used. The recommendation also does not apply to non-UK or non-hens eggs. And so they, they, I mean, they're making a, a recommendation um, here, but they don't, they don't say that it's safe. They just say that it's very low risk. And that's where, where things, I think, get uh, translated poorly. Well, and again, I you, would you say. You wouldn't like that one. <laughs> uh, well, I don't. I don't like. I don't like words, Ben. I don't like true, words. True. I like numbers, right? Uh, low. That's great. That's great. What's the temperature today? Well, low. the temperature's low. Yeah. Well, no, it's very low. Well, okay. Are you talking about a very low temperature in Miami, Florida, or are you talking about a very low temperature in Calgary, Canada? Because those are very different things, right? There is no absolute. Well, there is an absolute scale for for temperature. It's called Kelvin. <laughs> yeah. But 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 I mean, my point is, and what and what I what I would like to know is what does very low mean? Yeah. Right. It, they don't ever tell me what they tell me. Very low means that it's safe to do this for these people, but. What's okay. the threshold? So what, what does that what does yeah. that mean? Right. How many illnesses would you expect over what time period with what population for that for that? Right. And so I uh, kudos to the experts for not using the word safe. But I really I'm really uncomfortable with. And it, it, the reason why is we get into this same mess with raw milk. Mm. Because uh, people publish risk assessments and talk about low risk and and very low risk of from milk or whatever, you know, raw milk in their risk assessments. And then the, the raw milk advocates go out and say, see, these people said it was very low. It's like, well, what does very low mean? I don't I don't care. I don't care what you call it. Right. What I want to know is what does that mean? And again, congratulations. They said low on very low uncertainty or low uncertainty. That's good. But tell me exactly what the how many illnesses, what's the variability in that, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's just I just it's not to me it is not helpful now maybe maybe we need that to to take it to the point of talking to the general public but but as an expert i want to see what the intermediate intermediary step is where you go from saying well very low means this number of illnesses right or this number of sequelae or this number of deaths right i don't care what you know you've got a variety of units but give me give me something to calibrate that very low, because very low could mean different things to different people. Is right. it one thousand? Right. Is it one in a million? Is it one in ten billion? Right? Those are all. Those are all very low. Those are all low or very no, low numbers. On right? some on some scale. On some scale. Yep. Right. And, well, and I think that there's another um, situation here, which which you brought up um, early on, is okay. Give me a rate. Like okay, over time, from ten years ago we are lower, right? Like some magnitude, which is different than today, it's very low, right? Right. right. Like, like, where were we? What kind of, and that, and, and they have, they have multiple, you know, multiple, multiple studies and surveys that they had uh, requested and conducted some analysis on that shows over time, I'm looking, I mean, at figure one in, yep. in this, uh, in yep. one, which is, which really shows a, a as visually a significant drop in human cases, yep. um, lower, no question. Yep. Well, and in fact, in but fact, human, low. yeah, human cases, if I'm reading this correctly, dropped from, let's say 15,000. I'm assuming again, I'm assuming that's per year. Yep. Shame on them for not writing, making a good figure. That's the number of human cases, assuming per year. Um, <laughs> uh, well, and it is divided by year. So it's probably per year, but still, um, so, so 15,000. 
uh, human cases per year to it looks like under one uh, one thousand five hundred. Right. So yeah. that's great. So that's that is a tenfold reduction. That's that lower. Is, that, is, that is lower. Yep. That that's about you know that that's definitely lower and that's good. It's tenfold lower. It's not. It's maybe not. Uh, two logs lower, right? It's not a hundredfold lower because a hundredfold lower would be 150 cases, but maybe, maybe you are down to 150. Again, I can't, I can't tell. And again, the, the mathematician in me wants to see this human cases on a log scale, right? Cause I really, right, that's right. what I really want to see is I want to see it on a log scale. Cause, cause you can't read those little tiny numbers down yep. there and their error in the, in the, in the, the, the bars on the bar, on the bar chart. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's good. It's, low, but again, we're talking about risk. And, and I really, you know, and the more I think about this and the more I study this, the more I think that when we talk about risk, we need to be thinking on a log scale, right? It doesn't make sense to think about it on an arithmetic scale. I want to I wanna look at risk on a log scale because th that's what really matters, right? In terms of, in terms of really right. getting control of this. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because that's where, that's, that's our reference point. Like that's, that's where we're, where we need to, Yeah. And and also the nice thing about a log scale is it never goes to zero, right? right? Um, whereas this number of human cases can go to zero, and we know that it that it, it shouldn't, right? Not. It, it yep. should it could be it could be it could be one ten, one case every ten years, but guess what? That's point one cases per year. It's not zero. Yeah. Well, it's so so here. I mean, why I wanted to talk about this as it related to our our discussion on perceptions is we just spent what 15, 20 minutes talking about this, right? Now, how do we how, how do we have this? And we're exactly and rightly you said uh, it's it's pretty unlikely we're going to move this needle. How do we have this meaningful conversation with someone who just says, "Can I eat eggs now?" Like, what's my perception? What's the difference? What are all the decisions that went into this this change? As it really, and and I compare this to, is there a difference between having a co cockroach and, and and you know um, uh, handles of tongs sitting in rady foods? How, th that's that that's I guess my you know my challenge our challenge is to have those better conversations with the consumers groups with I mean with group with consumers with people in their homes with um, food handlers with managers for them to better understand this this risk area th this whole concept of risk not what do I do. It's like, well, I can't really tell you what you can, what you do. I can show you about what the difference is and what I would worry about, and that's the. I don't know. I just that's the that's the struggle. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. I got that. I got that. I got that. Uh, oh, one more thing before I mm -hmm. move on from sure. from my list, and then we can go into show notes. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I last week I got to spend two days with environmental health uh, specialists in Fayetteville, North Carolina, teaching them about HACCP and risks and managing risks. And uh, Nora Nerd was there, one of our. Uh, oh. Yep, she says say hi. Plus. Oh, hi, hi, Nora Nerd. Is she going to be at IAFE? She is. She's one of the uh, public health uh, oh, scholarship winners. Oh, uh, yes, yes. So, so congratulations to her and thanks to Bill Marler. Right, he's still funding that. I believe so. Yeah. Nice. Very um, nice. So she'll be there. But also, uh, Nora Nerd uh, introduced me to uh, a new listener of ours, a convert, I guess, uh, to the podcast. And his name is Hunter. And I think he's a. Is it Hunter Thompson? I don't think it's Hunter Thompson. I think it's. I think <sighs> Damn it's, it. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, he's he's not listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, well, but, just because he. 
you think he's dead. I could could have faked his death. I just like Tupac or whoever, whoever. <laughs> is Tupac that faked his own death? Yeah, Biggie sure. Smalls? Biggie's all of them. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying names now. East Coast, West Coast. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Hunter's got – I don't know. What do I know? But they did uh, shoot somebody or something out of a cannon, which I think was the best part of uh, Hunter's uh, send-off. Anyway, uh, nice, our nice. Hunter – our hunter uh, who listens to the podcast is a new listener, so I wanted. To, Hi, hunter. Hi, hunter. Want to give a shout out, hunter. Um, cool. Okay. What else? What else we got? What else we got? Well, I th- I really think we need to circle back to uh, episode t- two hundred and eight of Roderick on the Line. <laughs> oh yes, we do. While we're talking about egg safety, so so I got the, on um, uh, July eighteenth. I see a tweet from uh, Zach Schaffner, uh, who's my son. He says, I just heard you mention on episode 208 of Roderick on so exciting food safety. And uh, I am so because of my um, my wife um, not permitting me to drive or walk the dog, which has I mentioned at the, the top of the show has been reversed. Now her, her edict has been reversed. Um, I'm now catching back up on podcasts, but I was very behind on my podcast listening. So I have um, many, many podcasts I have not listened to. I have. Oh, my gosh. All the all the podcasts. Uh, nine, 12. I'm about 12 or 13 podcasts behind all my regular listening podcasts, including Roderick on the Line, and and apparently in episode 208, uh, John and Merlin get into a – well, it starts with John talking about egg in a cup, which is his new – um, a thing that he likes for breakfast and, and with uh, microwaving an egg in a cup for 30 seconds, uh, well, zhuzhing it with a fork once, microwaving 30 seconds, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then zhuzh, uh, and 20 more seconds, which I want to validate for him, right? Um, but then somehow they also get into a discussion of, um, well, and then that takes us all into microwave safety and, and, and differences in microwaves, et cetera, et cetera. I really want to validate it in Merlin's office microwave, which, which is, which is a really El Cheapo, uh, one that's probably low wattage versus, you know, the one in John's house, which, which might not be. Um, and then John's discussion about leaving, um, eggs out. Oh, and I, I have to, this, this relates to Ireland. And, and also I want to talk about leaving butter out on the counter because I recently discovered some Thing about someone who leaves butter out on the counter, which needs to be needs to be thoroughly discussed. Um, but um, so John apparently feels it's okay to leave eggs out and to not refrigerate them, right? right? And so and and Merlin says um, something about um, according to Dr. Don, uh, no. Um, so so kudos to my son for listening carefully and knowing <laughs> knowing enough to know when when Merlin says Dr. Don, he's probably talking about me. But uh, but yeah. So what do you, what do you, what is your perspective i mean because i know you've listened to the episode right so yeah. what is your perspective on uh, well number one on john's egg in a cup and then also what's your perspective on john's belief that it's okay to leave eggs out on the counter well let's talk about egg in a cup i am uh i'm a long time egg in a cup um uh user uh um, long time uh i have a i have a little different uh process and i I can tell you from, uh, I've not done the validation study, but I do have um, uh, weekly um, uh, monitoring uh, with a thermometer on my egg mm-hmm. cup uh, uh-huh. where uh, I get well, Ooh. well above, well above 160 degrees uh, in what nice. I Nice. Yeah. Uh, wow. And it sets. Uh, so let me tell you, I, I have, uh, I, I have a, my egg in a cup system involves milk. Um, mm. So I'm adding a little extra water in there. 
mm-hmm. uh, which can, uh, which I think helps with uh, what are, you know my my microwaving. So I do a, mm-hmm. I will scramble it, uh, one egg. Uh, I first spray with some cooking uh, mm-hmm. cooking oil in my cup, crack the yep. egg uh, uh, into the cup. I then add a uh, a zhuzh of uh, uh, skim milk. Uh, I then beat the egg and add in uh, salt and pepper, and I microwave that uh, in my microwave, which is a 1,000-watt microwave, uh, for mm. one minute and five seconds. Um, and and, and it's, it's gold. It's good to go. And I, I use uh, a thermometer in, like, nine different spots. And, and I, you know, in some spots, it's up to, like, almost 200 degrees. And then other spots, it's mm. at like 170, because um, there's you know like we talked with variability. I did after li- reading or listening to that episode try the um, uh, 30 second zhuzh, mm-hmm. uh, 20 second zhuzh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it was um, not as um, I don't know creamy as what I get mm-hmm. with uh, with milk. So I, I tried it. It was, a, it was just a little harder, mm-hmm. and the temperature got uh, to like 170 something. 174. Hmm. So not not to say that that's a full validation study, but a, but a lot of ongoing monitor. Um, yeah, good. And well, and I think what we really need to do is we need, really need to send uh, John a thermal pen and, and ask him to collect some data for us. Yeah, he'd probably be. I, I hey, you know what? I'll send him a therm, I'll send him a, a Comark PDT 300. I got a couple hundred of them here. Oh, awesome. I will. Awesome. I will do that. Do you do you have his address? No, no. Can you can you get if you source his address, I, I'll send. Well, the here's the, here's the thing. So so John, because uh, this is apparently a podcast about John Roderick. John does a podcast with Dan Benjamin, who you know, um, uh, uh, who you've done a podcast with. So you have like yeah. a couple only a couple degrees of separation there. Uh, called uh, Roadwork, and as a regular feature on an earlier episode of Roadwork, um, uh, John gave out his address. Um, and then uh, people would send him stuff, and then he would open it on the air. So, um, so somewhere <laughs> out there uh, in the Roadwork uh, podcast feed is uh, John's address. But I will, I will research that for you. Okay. Well, and you, you're uh, you're friends with the man on uh, on the Facebook, right? I, yes, yes. Uh, we we have uh, we have corresponded on the Facebook. Yeah. So I'll send, we'll send him a thermometer. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's absolutely. my now. So that's that's our that's our microwave uh, egg. I and, and so microwaving eggs goes back to my youth, Don. My my grandparents, who um, were the first people in my family to have a CD player, uh, the first people in my family to have um, a television uh, with a remote control, uh, and the first people in my family to have a microwave, they're very big on the technology. Uh, when I would spend summers uh, in Campbellford, Ontario with them, my grandmother would um, had a, a microwave cookbook and would microwave multiple things for me, um, uh, including scrambled eggs uh, almost uh, every morning. And she had a whole, like, uh, like this big, like, Pyrex glass thing. She'd make a whole bunch of eggs, and she would pull them out and stir them, like, six times. I don't know. There's, I don't have the, the, the uh, recipe anymore. But she'd also mm-hmm. uh, microwave hot dogs for me. Oh. I know. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So then I uh, once uh, as I got older, I was like, hey, this is a really quick way to eat an egg. And I, I do it. <laughs> yeah. And I do it. I, I It's uh, like like probably once a week. I'm 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 egg in a cup guy. Cool. Well, you know, and it's so funny because the I'm looking uh, back through pa- past episodes of Roadwork. Episode one of Roadwork entitled Scrambling Eggs. So uh, <laughs> it's an egg thing. 
It is. It is. Um, so, but let's come back to the second yeah. question. Yes. Which is leave an eggs out on the counter. Yes. And not refrigerating them. I am split on this. And so this okay. is because I get, I, I mean, I'm sure you, you get this question. I get this question. Um, and, you know, here's the, here, like, here's why we would refrigerate eggs. Yep. Um, it is because we may get some growth of Salmonella enteritidis, mm-hmm. and I would say yep. that would be our yep. target pathogen. Um, yep. And it's going to be internalized in the egg or maybe on the shell. Um, and if it's on the shell, it's going to persist, but it's probably not going to grow. And if it's internalized, it might grow. But, oh, did you get cut off? I'm here. Okay, good. I, I just heard up. Um, and uh, over... Uh, um, you know, if I if I look at um, we so full disclosure, I keep my eggs in the refrigerator. Um, <laughs> me, me too. Me too. And, and, and I like I, I think it's because I like a cold egg. Maybe I don't know. I don't know why. I think they may stay fresher. Um, but uh, my real big risk management step is that I'm going to cook those eggs. So I may get some growth. Yep. And even yep. in the process of. um once it's laid to once it's refrigerated, there might even be some growth in that time. Um, and that's, you know, people talk about that. It's like, well, how quickly after a, a, an egg's laid should it be refrigerated? And I, I've talked to um, Ken Anderson, who's a poultry specialist, egg specialist here, um, guy that I, I've done a couple of uh, um, workshops with. And his his answer, and he's actually done some, some work on salmonella, enteritidis growth in shell eggs. His answer is as quick as you can because – you will reduce mm-hmm. the risk of growth. And I think I take care of it on the back end when I cook it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so now here's the other thing. And this is uh, just to circle back to the um, to the UK uh, raw egg, shell egg, lightly cooked eggs thing. In the UK, this line code, um, and we've talked about this a while ago. I mean, probably back yep. three or four years ago. But this line code includes... Uh, a live vaccination for salmonella enteritidis, which we do not do in the U.S. for trade reasons. Right. right. And, and so um, if I'm in the U.K., in a place where I know that if it comes through that stamp that it's going to be vaccinated uh, or that the chicken's going to be vaccinated and there's a, a much lower risk of uh, SE um, in the – there's lower prevalence – uh, of SE in those uh, in those eggs that that get to me, I might be more inclined to uh, keep the keep my eggs on the counter in the UK if uh, compared to um, here uh, in the US where we're not vaccinating for it, and and this is where we get into the numbers game of I don't know what the difference is between prevalence in shell eggs um, between the UK and in the US, but we know here it's somewhere in between one in twenty thousand and one in forty thousand eggs estimate uh, based on the USDA. Um, uh, micro survey work and some FDA work. Uh, so it's not, I mean, doesn't happen all that much, but I'm still, I am still refrigerating my eggs. Um, uh, I, I guess just because like not, maybe not even for food safety reasons. Right. Well, and so we, and again, we, we had a whole episode not too long ago entitled, uh, the the haw unit i think right, or, right, or yeah, something yeah. to that effect where we talked about eggs and and certainly you can refrigerate them for quality and just and you know one of the very first risk assessments that was ever done in the united states was done for shell eggs and 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 one of the things that we know 
um, is that one of the reasons why you refrigerate eggs is if there happens to be salmonella inside the egg, which we know because salmonella can colonize chickens and can get inside the egg before the egg is laid, um, that, that salmonella sits in the, the white of the egg and what happens over time is that the membrane between the white and the yolk breaks down. And the colder you get the egg, the slower that membrane breaks down. And at some point, if you don't refrigerate your eggs, or if you even if you do, but, but especially if you don't, that membrane will break down. The salmonella that might be present in that 1 in 20 or 1 in uh, you know, 10 or 1 in 40,000 eggs – that's in the white, which is which is not growing in the white because there are natural uh, preservatives in in the white that are stopping that that salmonella from growing. That salmonella will will because the the yolk membrane will break down. Those salmonella will be able to get access to the yolk. And guess what, Ben? In the yolk, there are none of these natural preservatives, and it'll start to grow like crazy. And you know, just to bring it back to an earlier discussion, you know the scientist who collected that data on, on a yolk membrane breakdown? His name was Tom Humphreys, right? And, right. and in fact, and in fact, the data was kind of messy data, and it was never, ever published. But the U.S. researchers doing this risk assessment knew that this was really important. And so they got the raw data from Tom and then analyzed it and put it into their risk assessment. So, so yeah, so egg safety is complicated. Now, again, if John wants to not refrigerate his eggs, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that, right? But he should think very carefully about how he's going to pre- – and, again, as you mentioned, cooking will – if you did have salmonella in the egg and you did get growth during refrigeration and you properly cooked those eggs, again, using a, a validated egg in a cup recipe or something else, that's fine. I would say that John would should be very careful about whether he chooses to feed his young daughter those eggs, right? Because it's right, right. one thing for him to face the risk. His daughter, whose immune system is not as fully developed, is potentially at higher risk, and he should think carefully about that. But if he wants to do it, hey, you know, more power to him, right? But 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 think but think carefully about that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and 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 then I'm not I'm not having any luck finding his uh, finding his address for you, but but we will uh, we'll 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 I'll, I'll still I'll do my best. I've got a few more things I can try when I'm not podcasting. But I also since we're talking about eggs, um, I think they may have. Oh, here it is. I got it. OK, so, yeah, um, uh, we'll we'll link to it in show notes. But basically, it's Mr. John Roderick, 815 Seattle Boulevard, Office 332, Seattle, Washington, 98134. That's uh, on the Internet. And, and you can send him a, a, a the thermometer and maybe in six months or a year, he'll, he'll open the package. Perfect. Um, but 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 butter, Ben, butter, butter, does butter need to be refrigerated. Now, I want I have an answer and then I also have an anecdote relating to my travels in Ireland, but I want your perspective on whether butter needs to be refrigerated. Oh, this is a so this is a it's a kind of a fun one, right? So, mm-hmm. butter my the home that I grew up in um <laughs> did not there's there's no way that butter was refrigerated. Huh. Um definitely always always left on the on, on the counter. Uh, because the butter that was not left on the counter was too hard to spread on uh, on toast, yep. um, and so it was not uh, not soft enough. Um, now, here's the here, here's the thing. <laughs> Here here's the th- here's the thing, man. Here's the th- here's the thing, Don. Well, well, well. Um, I I think that butter, if it's um, in a place where there might be uh, exposure to things like bot spores, 
Uh, mm-hmm. You should be refrigerated. I think if hmm. uh, if if we're not like and that, just looking at the epidemiology of things that might go wrong in uh, in butter. I know we've had what was it in Finland or Norway? Finnish butter and listeria. Finnish I'm just butter. googling that right yeah, now. Finnish butter and listeria. Um, and then, but there was some bot in, in butter in the in the up there too. Bot in Finland? I think so. A while ago, like 20 years ago. Maybe I'm getting confused. Maybe it's listeria. Oh, could be, could be. Uh, anyway, so I think it's a it becomes a, um, a hygiene practice issue as well. So it's not just a temperature, just like uh, when we it comes to Staph aureus and things. So I don't know. I I, I have. Um, I have mixed. Uh, I have. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not certain. I've done enough uh, risk assessment uh, work on on butter to um, to make a, a fully informed decision. Uh, just my my anecdotes from uh, when I was young. Uh, I was definitely exposed to a lot of uh, non refrigerated butter. Well, and you know, it's funny you should say that because we were traveling in in Ireland uh, a couple weeks ago, um, and it, so it was me and my wife Kristen and our our friend Michelle Daniluk, and then uh, Michelle's parents and some friends of Michelle's parents. And when we first arrived, uh, the the Daniluk said, "So, what would you guys? Because we were staying at like uh, places where we could cook our own breakfast, and they're like, well, what kind of breakfast foods would you like?'" And I was like, well, eggs and bacon, because that that's like typically my, my breakfast meal. Now, what I didn't say was usually because we're, you know, uh, Americans, we buy turkey bacon because we're concerned about fat. Um, well, what they went out and bought was Irish bacon, which oh, is nothing like so turkey good. bacon. And that's it's also best. nothing like American bacon. It's and we'll link to this. It's basically what what an American would call back bacon. And so it is a nice fatty piece of pork. It is absolutely uh, delicious, and so they went and bought a giant, a giant package of, of back bacon, uh, which I proceeded to eat over the course of, of a week, which was which was which was great. But uh, they also bought butter, which is what I use to cook my bacon and eggs in the morning. And you know where every morning when I came down to the kitchen, you know where I found that butter, Ben? Out, just out, sitting out on the on the counter. Absolutely. And I'm like, oh. These, this is a family that does not refrigerate their butter. So yeah. maybe maybe this is a Canadian thing. I don't know. Um, but I would say that is a relatively low-risk uh, product because, again, it's, it's a low, uh, low water activity because it is a – and I think about this. It is a, um, a water in oil emulsion where the emulsion the, – the oil is the continuous phase and the water is the discontinuous phase. And what that means is that if, even if you were to find microorganisms in that product, it would be in the water phase, not the oil phase, and uh, they would be able to – they would not really be able to grow because, again, there's probably some salt, if it's, especially if it's salted butter. There's going to be some salt, and the salt is all going to partition into the water, and it's going to be low water activity. So, so I think – Leaving butter on the counter is a relatively low, um, uh, low risk event. We refrigerated in my house just because uh, of rancidity, and also we have we use we have unsalted butter typically because that's what Kristen uses for baking bacon baking rather not bacon but baking. Um, uh, but I'd say it's a relatively low risk event. I would say given if I had a very small refrigerator that could only hold my butter or my eggs, I would put my eggs in the refrigerator over my butter. I think that again that's a risk risk uh, risk risk uh, trade off there. 
Um, and then given the choice between if I could only fit my uh, my butter, my eggs, or my bacon, I would put the bacon in the fridge, right? And again, maybe not for safety, but certainly for spoilage because bacon is is a, is, is a, a meat, even it's, if it's processed and it's got nitrites and it's got salt, it's still more susceptible to spoilage than either, I believe, than either eggs or, or butter. But again, that's just my, it's my opinion, but, but I think I could probably find some data to support that. So, um, so yeah, so butter. Um, uh, oh, and I also want to say, just in reference to our trip and talking about foods and food safety and risk management, at some point we moved from our first location to our second location and we had all this, all this bacon which I had requested and these eggs, which I had requested, which we had to transport <laughs> to our next location. Um, and we did not have refrigeration. And so, um, uh, actually, uh, and I, I hope it's okay to, to speak of, uh, Michelle's father, Daryl Danilek, who's, who's an engineer and who's a lovely man. And I got to spend a lot of time with, um, uh, he did a very nice job of packing everything up in such a way, uh, as to maximize, um, uh, even though we didn't have a cooler to maximize temperature control. At some point we did stop and at a um, uh, a Tesco, uh, which is a wonderful store in in uh, in the UK and in, in Ireland, um, and we bought a uh, a a cooler, a flexible uh, cooler, and we bought some ice because uh, we needed that for icing our various injuries, uh, whether it's ACL or or broken arm, um, and also for refrigerating food. And but the problem was I had a limited um, uh, space in that. Um, in that uh, cooler, and so I had to make a decision about what to leave out of the cooler. And you know what I chose, Ben? I chose to leave the eggs out. So, there so for a limited time on a risk-based decision-making process, refrigerated the bacon, um, but did not refrigerate the eggs because I knew that within the 12 hours or so until we got from point A to point B and we got back to a fridge, that the eggs would be the item which would be okay to be have left out. And again, I probably probably cooked those eggs. I probably did not uh, cook them sunny side up. I probably cooked them over and and cooked the yolks and uh, did not apparently get uh, food poisoning anyway. And I don't know that we certainly have heard talked a lot about uh, UK uh, eggs. I don't know what what the state of Irish eggs is, but uh, but again, um, apparently uh, navigated that risk successfully. Right, right, right. And uh, just don't don't confuse the Irish with the uh, with the UK. The, oh, don't do that. Don't no, do that at all. but 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 see, but Northern Ireland That's in the is UK. part of the UK, and we visited the UK on our trip. Did not have to show our passports because I guess they're all still part of the EU at this point. Um, but actually, had some really interesting conversations with the taxi driver about about that, and uh, not that long ago, back just uh, around two thousand, whenever the. The, the 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 peace accords were signed between Ireland and Northern Ireland. They did away with all the border checkpoints, and so now you can drive unimpeded without showing your passport from Ireland, Northern Ireland. But now, with with the Brexit vote, it's not clear because now you're going to be leaving the EU when you go from because Ireland is still in the EU, and and the UK, including Northern Ireland, will not be. So I don't know. Interesting interesting times for for what's going to happen. And then there's discussion about whether now it's a time for reunification and for Northern Ireland to leave the. UK and become part of Ireland. And so, boy, I don't, and Scotland, you know, didn't want to Brexit. And so, wow, uh, the United Kingdom may be like uh, down to like two, 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 two places. It may be down to Wales and, and England. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know, uh, I know when I was, so I, I, I spent some time in Ireland, a short amount of time, a couple of weeks, um, I don't know, maybe it was uh, 10 years ago. Uh, for a colleague's um, wedding, which was awesome, and did some like mm -hmm. food safety stuff while I was there, and met with 
uh, Pat Wall, Patrick Wall, who used to be the food safety, like European food safety head, and he's from, uh, I don't hmm. know if he, he was there uh, when uh, at Food Micro, but anyway, um, hmm. I, I got to spend some time in Cork um, at um, Safe Food Ireland, I think it's called, which was yep. a joint yep. group between the North and the South, because mm-hmm. as it was described to me by one of the people there, uh, who's from the North, he said, well, not getting sick from food is one thing that we that all Irish people, whether they're from the North or from uh, the the Republic of Ireland, we can all agree on. Uh, right, and it's one island, so it makes sense to regulate it yeah. together as one entity. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, cool, good good stuff. So anyway, so we kind of we kind of segued from food safety back to uh, back to Ireland again. <laughs> hey, whatever. It's you got uh, like um, <laughs> like Willie. You know what? We- You've got I- Ireland on your mind. Because you're sure. Ireland on my mind. Get it? Sure, that's, exactly. That's, right that's exactly what. And, and you know, this. see, Ben, this is why we need an editor. We need someone to come in and cut out all this non-food safety stuff from the podcast so it could be like half as long. No. So let me let us let me tell you something about this, <laughs> Don. Yeah. Okay. Um, tell me. Tell me. Okay. So I got this uh, as, as part of my, like, uh, cord cutting thing. I got this uh, HBO mm. Go um, thing. Oh, yeah. Which is great, right? You know, you can watch The Wire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I'm I'm familiar with that. Um, that that it's there. Uh, and so on HBO Go, they don't have The Godfather, but they have the Godfather collection that's been put into. It's oh, like all uh-huh. three movies, but it's chronological. But it's all cut together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've heard of that. Yeah. Unwatchable. Oh, really? Yeah. No, the story shouldn't like. It, it, just like with a podcast, linear is boring. Like, so it starts. It starts in like Italy in the 1920s. It's like, no, that's not how this needs to start. It needs to start with a wedding, and it's and like, like it just doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't. Work, it, it doesn't work for me. Uh, so no, we don't. Four and, a, four and a half. Four and a half stars on Amazon, Ben. There are other, a lot of people that, that that think that it's the right way, or was, at least it's a right way. It's it was uh, it's unwatchable to me. Unwatchable. Unwatchable. Good, good to know. Good to yeah, know. Don't watch. You're a purist it. when it comes when it comes to uh, when it comes to your Godfathers. You're a purist. I'm a I'm a Godfather purist. I, well, I, be, I bet you don't like I bet you don't like episodes one, two, and three of uh, of Star Trek I, either. <laughs> I like I like them when they were Battles, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. I liked episodes <laughs> 17 and 46 of Battlestar Galactica. Also, I'm so much of a Godfather. Which is the one with Jar Jar. Yeah, no, it's uh, with the uh, with the Brinks t- truck. Um, okay. Uh, back I up am, the Brinks truck. Back up, back up the Brinks truck. I am so a purist of the Godfather that I don't like uh, episode three or whatever. Yeah. Part three. Yeah. yeah. It was another. That's, I think that's. Yeah, it's that's not. another thing that, that Godfather nerds don't like. Yeah, yeah. you're you're consistent with uh, with yeah. the uh, Godfather nerds, uh, that I know. Good, good, good. I'm uh, so I've I've I have a confession to make. I know you have a hard out. I have a confession to make. I have never watched any of the Godfathers <sighs> except occasionally <sighs> catching a flash of it on TV. Don, you need to this this is homework for you because I think it might be <sighs> well on Amazon Prime. You should do this while you travel to to tra- travel to IAFP. You should watch at least Godfather Part One. Well, we've we've talked about this actually because my wife has also not seen them, and so it's on our on our homework list for us to do it's as on, a couple to watch that. So yeah, it's I've heard I've heard it's a I've heard it's a pretty good movie. It's a really good movie. I watched it. I did not watch it in the um, in the real time because I think it came out in, before I was born. But I, I watched it. <laughs> no, um, yeah, true. I watched it actually while um, while I was doing my my masters. 
I used to have to go to this little town in southwestern Ontario, Leamington, where the Ontario Greenhouse Vegetable Growers Association is. And I had nothing to do. And <laughs> I rented a cottage with another um, grad student who was also working on her project there. Um, so during the week, we would stay at this cottage like out on Lake Erie. And it got no television stations, but there were there was a VCR. And oh. at the cottage, there was The Godfather. And I watched those movies there. Like, uh, I would go out to a bunch of greenhouses and grab samples and send them to the lab and, and then go back and, um, and drink beer and watch uh, VHS tapes. And The Godfather was one of them. And I was like, I couldn't believe how amazing it was and why I hadn't watched it up until that point. And I've watched it multiple times since then. It's a, well, you, it's a movie Danny and, does not it, like. Oh, it's interesting. Um, yeah, so just to, to kind of close the loop on VCRs, did you know what important event happened uh, just earlier this month? The last known VCR maker stopped making VCRs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe that? No, I can't believe, I can't believe that it's 2016. Somebody was still making them? Yeah, yeah, someone bought one in 2015, a brand new one. Yep. Yep. What were they yep. doing with those? I don't know. I don't know. VCRs. No, Probably watching The Godfather. Oh, there it is. The Atlantic. Rest in peace, VCR. Yep. Right. We, uh, we just uh, disposed of a VCR that was in our attic that, huh. uh, that I purchased uh, probably 15 years ago and watched uh, Saving Private Ryan on because it was the first VCR that I had ever had that had a left and right audio output that I could put into a stereo receiver. And oh, yes. yes. Somewhat non-mono sound. Wow. Um, hey, so... Well, uh, I, think, I think that's an episode. Yeah, I mean, just like the VCR, <laughs> where this is over. This is the end. This is the end. Do you this know... This is the end, my hang friend. Hang on a second. Yes. They, I'm just fascinated about this VCR thing. Peak, <laughs> so peak sales of only 15 million VCRs, VHS VCRs in the heyday annually. Um, so 15 million? They still, FUNAI, sold 750,000 VCRs last year. Last year. Wow. How is that wow. possible? I don't know. Who bought these? I, I don't know, Ben. People, people that don't, that maybe don't have uh, DVDs. People that have VHS tapes to watch. VHS uh, purists. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Wow. There you go. Um, so uh, yeah, that's a show. Uh, food safety talk number one 105 five. it's a magic 105 that's it that's our that's our radio voice uh 105 uh don uh, as always uh great to talk to you while i uh, drink my um grande vanilla triple uh non-fat latte uh which has just the dregs in the bottom which is like a like a spoonful it's perfect uh, and uh, people uh, who listen to us are new listeners. Uh, oh, we haven't mentioned this because this is going to go up. People should be listening to this uh, on their way to IAFP. IAFP, yes. And the standing um, offer that you and I have, mm -hmm. we will, if you come up to us, find us at IAFP, we will purchase you all the free drinks that you want. All of them. Right. Any, any, any open bar, any open Ben bar. and I will get you a drink. As many, I mean, if you want three. I'd be happy to go back three times. I might even, in a non-open bar setting, buy buy listeners drinks. Because I would say definitely I would. I would. I, so so uh, yeah, come come hang out with us, and uh, 
we'll see you. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll chat in a couple of weeks, and I'll see you in, yeah, in and, like five days, four, three days. And I would say, yeah, and I would say too, anybody who's listening to this who who knows us only from the podcast but doesn't know us in real life, in real life, or real life, either one. Real life. Um, that we that we that we like meeting people and you should come up to us and you should say hello and don't worry about it seeming weird or awkward because because it it, it, it will be weird or awkward but it's okay um and and please come say hello because we would love to meet you and we and, sound in all the seriousness same. We sound and we sound same. we sound the same yes we do and um if it's it, it's okay if you want to meet us and then immediately avert your eyes because you're not used to yeah. seeing our faces that you're more used to just hearing our voices we're totally fine with that in fact a lot of times maybe people don't know this if they haven't been listening a long time but sometimes when you and i get together in real life we won't look at each other because it's just more comfortable that way absolutely i'm i'm i was about to say that that we also will not look at each other so it won't be awkward at all um, and yeah, it's always, it's always fun to, to hear from people that, uh, what, you know, that, that they're listening and that they get something out of it and they want us to talk about different things and give us suggestions and all that kind of stuff. And, and we'll, uh, we'll buy you drinks free or, or unfree. Uh, exactly. Either way. Happy to, happy to do Happy to do that. Uh, uh, alcoholic, non-alcoholic, uh, whatever, yep. whatever they want. Beverages of any kind. Like, um, a Moscow mule or a Shirley Temple. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Don. I will talk right, to you ben. later. So this is an odd one, so it's yours. It's mine, yep. And I have, um, I have a window of opportunity this afternoon. Cool. Uh, in between, I'm talking to Tom Ford on the on the phone at one o'clock. Oh, thinking, how about that? Yeah, Tom Ford, Tom Ford. That's a Jay Z song. <laughs> um, I got I got that, and then I got to go to the Apple Store, and then I got a meeting at four, and so I've got uh, got a good chunk of time. I I should get this up right. Like I'm gonna start exporting audio right now. Cool. Um, hey, so this is we we usually like try to do one of these at IFP, or at least we have the last couple. Yeah. Of years. Are we? Do yeah. we want to do that? Should I bring the stuff? I'm 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 cool for that. Yeah. Okay. I've got. Um, let me email you times. Okay. Because I've got, I got response. You know, you and I are convening a panel, right? Or not a panel, a, a talk, a thing. Did you know that? I think I, th- I think I'm doing a thing at IFP. I might be doing more than one thing. Well, you and I are doing a thing <laughs> on. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I, I kind of didn't remember it. Uh, I, and then I, I looked at the I, schedule. I think I put it. I think I put it on my calendar. Crowd it's sourcing. one of those many many things that you're doing. S S thirty four. S 
34 crowdsourcing and novel digital data yeah wow and then do we have to prepare for that no i mean there's a whole panel so we just we just go show up and then i gotta do i like things right to show up (laughs) so yeah me too so here's here's the thing that might i can actually we can look at this now we i could do it i could do it then i could do it wednesday wednesday is like gold all i have is a thing at um 8 30 till 10 on wednesday Okay, I've got a meeting with somebody at ten, and then I've got a phone a phone call back at Rutgers after that. So I could do it Wednesday oh, um, afternoon. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon. Let's do it. And then so like I have a meeting the with the preservation crew with uh, Linda at eleven thirty, but that should be done at I think one. So yeah, Wednesday afternoon. Let's just put it. Let's just let's put a put a pin in it. All right. So let's. I'm gonna pencil you in for uh, for two p.m. Perfect. Um, and then that's our, yeah. that's our IAFP recap. Yes. Oh yes. Cause it'll be at the end of the meeting. So it'd be yeah. perfect. Okay. So I'm going to bring the stuff you bring, you bring your microphone and your headphones. I will bring my yep. microphone and headphones and I have the splitter and I know we've done it now twice. I'm sure we can figure this out. Um, well, and it doesn't always work, but we'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. We'll make it work. Um, okay. Two o'clock. And then uh, let's do it. Cool. See ya. Um, oh, what else? Yeah, so it's me. And then I have nothing else. Nothing else to share with you. That's it. That's it, Don. <laughs> okay. I, gotta... I, will, I, will, I will put the, I will put the uh, links into Dropbox, and uh, yep. you're good to go. And we're good to go. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.